TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. What's good, my friends? This is the most interactive sports talk show anywhere. It's Offsides, Mark Ryan and Diesel, and we are the Fan Upstate rolling on until 7 o'clock p.m. today. Thrilled to have you guys with us. Do appreciate you greatly. We know there's a ton of choices out there. So um, I'm not sure if this is being understood correctly or if I could have communicated it better. So from this point moving forward, right, like who leaves their institution first? Is it Dabo or is it Beamer? Who is no longer at Clemson or South Carolina first? Beginning today, November 16th, 2023, and moving forward, all right? I'm not asking, you know, is Dabo's 16 years going to top Beamer's tenure? That's not what I'm asking. I'm just saying starting right now, who's there longer? Who leaves first, okay? Beamer or Dabo from this point moving forward, either by their own will or either because the rug got pulled out from under them or how does this end, you know? Who's there longer? Uh, And why is this important? Well, because, number one, you know, like Beamer finds himself on a warming seat for the first time this year. Okay, Dabo finds himself sounding a little bit like a grumpy old man, um, you know, not wanting to put up with the whippersnappers and what they have to say and not wanting to get with the modern age of college football. Right. So, you know, I see Dabo leaving before the game passes him by, right? That's what I see. 71307 on the carpro.com text line. Uh, Let's see here. Texter says, uh, Mark, put all three, four, and five-star players in a draft and contract the cost of the scholarship into their money, like the NFL and salary cap, each school much like the NFL teams. Um, In a draft... So you're drafting them. That's that's not what college football is, though, Texter. That's not what they are. They get to choose where they go to school because, theoretically, on some level, it's still about the academics, right? You get to choose where you go to school. You know, the whole reason why I went to Florida over Florida State, I was a Florida State fan. True story. I went to Florida because Florida had a better communications program, and I decided that I was more passionate about this job than I was about music. Now, I, I was I was lucky as hell to play on the Warp Tour in college. I was lucky as hell to, to be in the band at the University of Florida, right? And uh, that was a great experience, and it was a passion of mine, but this was a bigger passion of mine. Had I known that it didn't matter where I went to school, 
you know, I would have gone to Florida State if I knew it didn't matter where I went to school because it didn't, you know. But I chose Florida because it had a better communications program. And I knew that this is kind of what I wanted to do, right? So, uh, Texter says, Mark, I think Dabo is going to be the first to go. Clemson fans have quite the sense of entitlement where real Gamecock fans know who they are and have more realistic expectations. Shane Beamer forever. I'm going to... Um, I'm going to uh, to tell you something here, Mongo, that's going to surprise you. I don't disagree with this text of yours. Pongo, you know? Bongo, I can't remember his name. He says, Clemson fans have a sense of entitlement. Gamecock fans know who they are and have more realistic expectations. But Gamecock fans have no expectations. That's the problem. Uh, let's see here. Miss- Mississippi State has been ranked number one for more weeks than Richland County University. Texter says, Beamer is gone next year without a bowl game. I don't know how this is even a question. Beamer, the schema. Yeah, but that's not that's not, um, that's not not a consensus, Texter. Like, no one's agreed to that. That's what you're saying. It's freaking Beamer. Who else is saying that Beamer, gets to tw- Beamer doesn't get to 2025 without a bowl game next year? Who else is saying that? Beamer should make a bowl game next year. Have you seen the schedule? You know? It's the Island of Misfit Toys on on one hand, right? It is an elementary school on another weekend. I mean, that, that they should make a bowl game next year. Mark, why does Beamer never set goals? I'm sure he does, but they don't let you know what the goals are because then you can tell them they failed. May God have mercy on this program. Uh, texter says, people like yourself greatly overestimated the ability of Cade Klubnik and therefore, Clemson failed. Lesson learned. As a fan, I can't be objective. Don't crown the man until he actually plays, LOL. Yeah, but Texter, um, it wasn't us that did this. Like, Clemson was number 11 to start the year. If you want to crown him, then crown their ass. Clemson was number two, according to Phil Steele. Okay, like, there, there were a lot of folks that had high hopes, high expectations. And look... You don't need to know what Cade Klubnik is in order to know what your goals are for the program, okay? Let me say that again. You don't need to know that Cade Klubnik is a Heisman Trophy contender to know that your goals for the program are to make the college football playoff this year. You don't need to know that. Those those terms, those outcomes can be mutually exclusive. Texter says Dabo is going to be at Clemson longer than Beamer is going to be at South Carolina. Texter says Dabo will definitely stay longer. Beamer will leave whenever a better offer comes in because he knows South Carolina is never going to be relevant in the SEC. If Texas A&M called him today, Zoom. So says Dave Tyner. Yeah, but it's his job to make South Carolina relevant, Dave. Steve Spurrier made South Carolina relevant, right? It's his job to make them relevant. They had a hint of relevancy last year, with or without Michigan's signs. They were they had a hint of relevancy last year. E thought he says, after some thought and research, I think I'm gonna take NC State over Virginia Tech minus three. I looked at that, E thought he. I decided three points was not worth it to me, although I did think NC State was going to win. Oh yeah. Welcome to the stream T Swizzle. There you go. T-Swizzle, welcome. Is this your first time, sir? 
Texter says, I say Dabo's going to be there longer than Beamer. I say Dabo retires in about six years. And, uh, oh, oh, Spur Daddy, you're saying Beamer's going to be there longer. So your answer is Beamer will be there longer. He says Dabo retires in about six years, and Beamer will still be at South Carolina. Well, your tune started change, Spur Daddy, because last week you picked Vanderbilt to beat South Carolina in your upset pick. For shame, for shame, for shame. Texter says, Mark, if expectations of winning the conference, beating the state rival, and contending for the natty is considered being entitled, then I am probably entitled. So says Spartanburg J. Spartanburg J, I'm with you, brother. I'm with you. Like, I was an entitled Florida fan. Steve Spurrier left because he was tired of fans like me being bored by Florida going to the Orange Bowl. He was tired of that. He was tired of the lack of appreciation for a 10-2 season where it was national championship game or bust. But you never want to lower your standards. You can increase your appreciation without lowering your standards. Remember Dabo said to uh, Tyler and Spartanburg, the expectation has, in, has exceeded the appreciation, and whenever that's the case, you've got a problem, okay? You always should appreciate what you've got. And not hold it so much as an expectation. But, yeah, the goal for Clemson was to make the college football playoff this year. And they have the defense to do it. They just don't have the offense on that side of the ball. Uh, Mark, with the new SEC format, South Carolina can never compete for the conference. Uh, Spur Daddy says the Vandy pick was for clear Tyler from Spartanburg motivation for my Gamecocks. You wanted to be. The Tyler from Spartanburg for South Carolina. All right, Diesel. Who's there longer? Okay. Uh, beginning now. Who leaves first? Is it Dabo or is it Beamer? Your answer, then mine, and our audiences as well. What do you got? Well, I think that's a relatively easy one. I think Dabo Sweeney leaves first. Wow. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, you know, Dabo's what, 50, how old is he, 55? Somebody help me out there. He's already a little bit. He's a little bit older. I'm not saying he's old, but he's a little bit older. And I could see Dabo coaching maybe another five years, hanging it up. But I think Shane Beamer is going to be there a long time because I think Shane Beamer is going to do just good enough not to get fired. Oh boy, you know. I mean, look, it's going to be, it's going to be the seven wins, eight wins a year. And as we know, Gamecock fans won't call for somebody's head if they're winning seven, eight games a year. That's pretty good. So they're going to be happy with it. And it's not going to be good enough to, to really get legitimate offers somewhere else. And even if he got legitimate offers somewhere else, I think Shane Beamer loves South Carolina. So I think he would turn down a lot of those offers. So Diesel believes the question is relatively easy. Dabo's going to be 54 Next Tuesday. Okay. So if that would be him retiring by 58, 59, 60. Okay. Um, this is his 16th year at Clemson. Diesel, I think Dabo's going to be at Clemson longer than Beamer is going to be at South Carolina. I have mm-hmm. Dabo at Clemson in your ballpark five more years. Okay. okay? I have Beamer at South Carolina three more years. But the thing is, Diesel, you and I are probably, we know what South Carolina is. We know what they've done. Yeah. The greatest predictor of future behavior is what? Past behavior. We know that. 
unless they give us something that we haven't seen before, which is a best season of eight and four, a worst season of five and seven, and every season is somewhere between five and seven and eight and four. Yeah. If we if we if they stay in that realm, my prediction is that South Carolina is going to develop the expectation that I am urging them to get, and they'll move on. You're saying no. Nope. Six and six, seven and five, he'll be there forever. I never said six and six. I said seven and five, eight and four. Okay, okay. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't see Shane Beamer wanting to leave South Carolina. I genuinely believe that he has a love for that place. And if, for example, and I'm just making this up, if a Michigan State came calling, he wouldn't go. If, uh, if. North Carolina came calling. He wouldn't go. It's easier to win at North Carolina than it is at South Carolina. But why would Texas A&M come calling? You know exactly. What I'm that's that's that was the other half of my point. Is yeah. is those kind of jobs, the no brainer, slam dunk, gotta take it type jobs, are not going to come calling if you're winning seven games a year. And the type of jobs that would come calling, he loves South Carolina too much to take. Right. Right. The lateral jobs, Mississippi State, why would he leave that for, for that, right? Now, if Beamer was doing this year what he did last year, where South Carolina finished 23rd, and he had established a new normal for the Gamecocks, said, okay, we're now an annual top 25 team, then yeah, like maybe a Michigan State appeals to him. Maybe an A&M appeals to him. But they're not knocking down his door based on this. Come on now. Nolan says, if you give me eight and four in a decent bowl game, I'm happy. Oh, that's so pathetic. And Mongo says, exactly. Come on, Mongo. We talked about upping standards for this team. Oh, that's pathetic. You can't tell me that eight and four is good enough for you. And then Nolan gets the quote wrong. He says, Mongo Bongo. It's Pongo Bongo. I can't remember his name. It's Pongo Bongo. Yeah, let's let's, let's make sure we get that right. Specificity matters. Yeah, let's let's (laughs) let's let's do that, my friends. All right. I want to know what Mongo, Mongo tell me. How do you, what do you really feel? How do you really feel every time we play that clip? You got to love it, right? You got to love hearing that clip every day. You got your own day. drop on the show, yeah. man. You got your own drop on the show. <laughs> Congratulations to you. Gamecock fans, this whole eight and four every year is good enough for you is the saddest sack of bleep excuse I've ever heard in my life. And let me tell you, so long as that is your expectation, you will always be irrelevant, okay? You will always be irrelevant so long as that is your expectation. It's going to have to take, for for South Carolina to to grow out of this, it's going to require, number one, having just that better-than-you've-ever-had-it team and a relatively easy shuffle from the divisionless SEC schedule. So you're going to have to skip the really great teams or get few of them. And you're going to have to have an elite team at the same time. Up next, why she is making it harder on him. That's next here on Offsides, the Fan Up State. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.
After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame... You deserve this ice-cold reward. Modelo, the markable fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. It's offsides. Mark Ryan and Diesel. We are the fan upstate. Fantastic to have you guys with us. Truly do appreciate you making us part of your day each and every day here on the show. Uh, so, my friends, a little open and honest conversation. Uh, who will be leaving their position first? Is it Dabo or is it Shane? Either by their own choices, either by their own choice, or the choice was made for them by their institution. Um, Diesel, can you put that on the poll for us on uh, on the Fan Upstate? Just who who will um. Who will no longer be at their school first or whatever best way of wording you have for that? You know, uh, either by way of uh, resigning, retiring, being fired, terminated, right? Um, whose tenure at their current institution will end first? Maybe that's the best wording, Wording, right? Uh, is it Dabo or is it Beamer? I have Dabo. My guess on Dabber, Dabo is he... Um, he, he stays another five years. And I have Diesel, uh, I, Diesel, I have Beamer sticking around about another three years. Um, he needs to pick it up. You can't be worse than Muschamp. Don't worry, Gamecock fans. Napier is also worse than Muschamp at Florida. Napier is also worse than Zook and worse than McIlwain and worse than all of them. And everyone defends him, Diesel, because they're like, oh, he took over a worse situation. You can only use that that garbage for so long. Look, I, I think there's uh I think there's something to be said for getting into a position like as a group of five head coach where you are elite at your level and just staying there. Mm-hmm. You know, Billy Napier was elite at Louisiana. Neil Brown was elite at Troy. Scott Satterfield was elite at App State. All three have been failures at their schools since leaving. And I get it. I mean, for for every one of those, there's one more guy like an Eli Drinkwitz who is elite at App State who's pretty good at Missouri. Took him a while to get there, but he's finding success. It's hard not to ch- it's not to chase that life-changing money that the SEC can offer, that the ACC can offer, that the Big Ten and Big 12 can offer. I get why they do it. You've, you've done everything you can do with this place. I love my time here, but i got to move on to a new challenge. But there's something to be said for just staying there and riding it out and winning a lot of football games because it's not like group of five coaches aren't getting paid. 
So I've got a couple of things to say to say here. Number one, do you realize how much more difficult for Shane Don Staley is making it? Because Diesel, <laughs> I mean, like all Gamecock fans always say is, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We got to keep Will Muschamp. He won more games in his first three years, 23, than any, any other coach we've ever had. Well, that's not even eight wins a year, including the bowl game. Yeah, but it's better than anyone ever has. They, they, they say this, we have never been more than mediocre. Well, does Don Staley, what was Gamecock women's basketball before Don Staley went there? I've looked it up, Diesel. You know what they were? About what the football team is, okay? <laughs> they were nothing until the right woman got there to lead it. So it's hard for Beamer, and as supportive of, as Don Staley, I'm sure, is of the Gamecock football program, is she not proof positive that you can win anywhere once you have the right coach. You know, Oregon didn't used to be anything special, right? Then Oregon found Chip Kelly. And what happened? They became great. They got a brand, Nike, amazing uniforms, fast break offenses. That became their identity. They made a special place where there wasn't a special place. Sometimes a coach is a stepping stone to something better later on. You know, these, these coaches treat schools like they're stepping stones. Why can't you keep, treat, treat a coach like a stepping stone? Like if you're a garbage-tier football program for a while, and then you get that guy that brings you from four wins a season to six, seven wins a season. But you realize that guy's probably not going to get us to nine, ten a season. Move on and go get that next guy because you've now, you're, you've now made yourself attractive to a higher caliber of coach. Uh, that's a fair point. Stepping stone as a head coach. I'm down with that. But realize, folks, what I'm just saying, that Don Staley, by proxy, is making it harder for Beamer. Because to anybody who says, well, 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 you, we, no one has won here. Stabrier's the only one. No one else has won here. I would tell you the same thing about Don Staley. And look at where South Carolina is. Oh, yeah, number one. Oh, yeah, they just signed Joyce Edwards. Number two player in the country. There's a report that Joyce turned down a $2.2 million NIL deal. I don't know if it's true or not. From LSU and Kim Mulkey in order to go play for Dawn Staley in South Carolina. Dawn Staley's making it harder for Beamer because Beamer doesn't have the excuse, well, it's, it's just hard to win here. What about the women's basketball program? How about that? So I'll close with this on South Carolina. All right. And this is my plea to you guys that are Gamecock fans. All right, it is my plea to you. In the 2020s, Shane Beamer has got to make the 12-team playoff. That is not asking a lot. His first year was 2021. This is 2023. This is year three. Okay? 2024, 2025, 2026, 2027, 2028, 2029, that's giving him nine years, okay, to make the college football playoff. Nine years to be, you don't even have to be better than third in the SEC. Because you know as well as I do, once this thing goes to 12 teams next year, that at least three SEC teams are going to make it every year, probably more. You just got to be third place in the SEC, one time in the first nine years as a head coach. If he can do that, 
then I'm okay with him staying on. Now, if you're not seeing the, the, the progress that you need, I'd be okay with you moving on from Beamer next year. If Beamer is 2-6 and six next year, I'm okay with you moving on. But at minimum, and this is something we should all be able to agree upon, he's got to make the 12-team college football playoff once in the 2020s. Is that too much to ask? I don't believe that's too much to ask. Am I wrong? 71307 on the carpro.com text line and the phone number's there for you at 844-326-3663. Texter says, lifelong Gamecocks fan, I want the CFP every year. I know you want it every year, but what's the cutting room floor? You know, what is the standard that he's got to make? At some point, you got to get in there, right? Now, you could say, man, we're never going to make the four-team playoff, and you might be right. Spurrier would have a couple of those years. Spurrier finished Final Four. But with a 12-team playoff, there really is no more excuse. Okay, there is no more excuse. And then when you make it one time, you're going to want to make it again. But can we all agree, folks, that if Beamer is the right guy for the job, that he will achieve that at minimum? One 12-team college football playoff berth in the 2020s? Mark, you're comparing apples and oranges. Diesel, i got to tell you this, man. This is a pet peeve of mine. Yeah, but both are fruit. You can compare them. They're both edible. They're both small, about the size of a baseball. There's a lot of ways that you can compare apples and oranges. You can. Diesel, the other day I made a comparison between Billy Napier and Dan Lanning. Dan Lanning, coach of? Oregon. Billy Napier hired November 2021. Dan Lanning hired December 2021. Florida had the choice of Billy Napier. Dan Lanning chose... Billy Napier. Chose poorly. Chose poorly. The three-year record before the coaching change, 2019 to 2021, Oregon was 26-8. Florida was 24-12. That's not quite as good as Oregon. But you could say, well, you can account for that because the SEC is stronger. It's a negligent difference. You're right. Negligent difference. The SEC is a stronger conference. Three-year recruiting average, 2019 to 2021, the three years before this coaching change. Oregon's class, over those three years, the average was number eight. Florida's, the average was number 10. Still a negligent difference, right? Number eight, number 10. Record in two seasons, Dan Lanning, 19-4, and four, Billy Napier, 11-12. and 12. Mm. And I got every single person giving me either this is apples to oranges, now do strength of schedule, now do somebody said you can't make this comparison because you have not accounted for 10 different things. Brother, you can list variables till the cows come home. And people do this when you have a comparison that upsets them because they don't want you to be able to make the comparison. It's called bargaining. Right. It's the bargaining stage of grief. You have not accounted for this. You have not accounted for this, 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 and this, and this comparison makes me mad. Well, no, Texter. I'm I'm saying you need to have expectations at South Carolina. No excuses. No, it's never been done here. No, it's hard to win here. He's saying at Dawn Staley to Shane Beamer's apples to oranges because he likes Shane Beamer and he doesn't want me to make the comparison, but it's not apples to oranges. Texter, the Gamecock program, women's basketball, was nothing before Dawn Staley got there. You got the right coach. Look what happens. Look what happens. Okay? Oregon was nothing. They got the right coach. Look what happens. Okay? It's that way with every team in college football. Washington was nothing. They got the right coach. Look what happens. 
Oh, Washington's really good. Texas was a dumpster fire. They have the right coach. Look what happens. You got to be willing to break up with the four because there's a chance you might get a seven. Got to do it. You got to make it happen, man. So realize, Gamecock fans, are you with me on this? I'm holding up the goldfish, Jerry Maguire style in that movie, and I'm saying, who's coming with me? You're coming with me, right, on the realization that Beamer's got to make the 12-team college football playoff once in the 2020s. Diesel fair or unfair? That's fair, right? Yeah, it's fair. Uh, They've just lowered the bar. They've made it easier to get into the 12-team playoff. You are in a conference that gives you every chance to get in without winning your conference. Yeah, you need to make the 12-team playoff. And, you know, like, this is what I have a problem with. Brandon Burnett says, as a Gamecock fan, we need eight wins. Well, bro, you're going to need to go 10-2 and to make the playoff. I'm saying you got to go 10-2 and once in this decade. That's it. And you're saying, no, 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 eight wins is okay. Well, you're never going to make it with eight wins. Ever. Ever. <laughs> and if, if playing in, quote-unquote, sorry, Diesel, meaningless bowl games is your ceiling, then you need to up your expectations. You need to try harder to find the guy that will get you there. That's it. That's it. Be willing to fire the guy who can't get you there and search for the guy who can. We've got Panthers culture with a wide-ranging Carolina Panthers discussion coming your way next here on the most interactive sports radio show anywhere. It's Offsides, Mark Ryan and Diesel, and we are the Fan Upstate. It's Offsides, Mark Ryan and Diesel, and we are... The Fan Upstate rolling on until 6.30 p.m. before we make way for Furman Basketball. Little programming note, I am out tomorrow, but Carlos with a K and Diesel will be rocking it out with you guys. So have a, just an awesome Friday. I'm going to place an over-under at 3.08 before somebody texts in and asks Carlos, if he's had another meal with mayonnaise. I'm going to say like under. That's the thing. I'm going to say That's the under. thing when he's on the air. We're going under. All right. Joined right now, as we always are, by Panthers culture at this time. Uh, J.J. Hardy owns, runs, and operates Panthers culture. Uh, J.J., your account I have found to be wildly entertaining and honest <laughs> the last few the last few days, you like to say, well, we have a, we have something that you like to say, uh, JJ, on this on this show, and here here is what you like to say most As a often. Fan, I can't be objective. That is the quote we have from you, JJ. But I have seen a very objective person uh, out here out here recently, and I appreciate that uh, that objectivity. So, uh, can you update us on the latest news with the Panthers that? Frank Reich is calling the plays. Frank Reich isn't calling the plays. Thomas Brown is calling the plays. Now Frank Reich is calling the plays again. How does this happen? Like it, To me, that only happens when nobody's having a good life over there. What's going on? I think that's just what it is right now. I think life isn't good on Mint Street there in Charlotte. And so, you know, obviously, I guess it was about four weeks ago we learned that Frank Wright was going to turn over the play call and do this to Thomas Brown. 
a lot of the fan base, you know, we were excited about that because we wanted to see something different. I think what a lot of people envisioned, I think we even talked about it on the show right after that was announced, you know, was that we were looking forward to some of that Sean McVay pre-snap motion, um, deception, you know, a lot of the innovative stuff that you see in being ran by the top offenses in the NFL right now, like San Francisco and and Miami, you know, they all come from the same the same coaching tree, right? The Shanahan coaching tree. And so when Thomas Brown took over, I didn't think we were going to get the full gamut of that because he was a new play caller as an offensive coordinator. But I did think that we were going to see some glimpses of what the offense could look like by incorporating some of those um, those things that, that put defenses in conflict, like that pre-snap motion and deception, you know, routes and stuff of that nature. And we just didn't see it when Thomas took over. Obviously, his first game that he took over was against the Texans. We won that game. That was the first win of the season. And I think the crazy part, looking back, is that Frank Wright, you know, was in the locker room praising Thomas Brown for how he called that last drive that led to the game-winning field goal. And then, you know, we take that that win, and then we go up to the following week against Indianapolis. And honestly, you know, we looked bad. You know, that, that was when Bryce had three interceptions, two pick sixes. And I think that's when everybody was like, uh-oh, you know, what's going on? You know, this looks like the old stuff again, and, and, and everything looks stagnant, a lot of stagnant routes. You know, you weren't getting, you weren't giving the, the wide receivers, you know, opportunities to catch the ball and stride and keep running, getting yards after the catch. It just looked like a mess. And then last week against Chicago, I think, you know, that was, you know, like, a mess again, and you know, it wasn't the turnovers, but everything still looked stale and bland. You no, know, no pre-snap motion. I read on on Twitter, and this is from you know NFL um, source, you know that Carolina is 29th in the league when it comes to pre-snap motion, right? Although we line up in 11 personnel, just like the Rams, you know, at the highest clip in the league, and they have one of the highest pre-snap motion rates in the league. But in Carolina, we line up like the Rams, but we don't do the pre-snap motion like the Rams. And I have to think that that's attributed to the other collaborator in the room when it comes to play calling, and that's Frank Wright. Because when they looked at that stat, they said, well, the Colts, when you go back to what they did last year, they were around the same um, clip of pre-snap motion in terms of you know being like bottom three in the league with that, and so obviously Frank Wright, he has a way of thinking about offense, and although he hired like a, a a good staff around him of you know guys that would be good for a young quarterback, I think this is indicative of who he is, not necessarily aligning with the new NFL and the new modern offenses and the new style of quarterback. And I think we've really struggled with that all season. And, you know, he, he gave up play calling duties. We went one and three since then. Honestly, the only game we won was with Thomas Brown as a play caller. But then you got us looking bad two consecutive games. And I think what's happening is Frank Wright is on the hot seat. I think Dave Tepper brought him in and said, hey, look, man, this will not work. Um, you know, with 
you being the coach that I brought in to be an offensive guru, I thought you could call plays. You know, that didn't work out well. You gave it up to Thomas. I thought he was going to be okay, but it doesn't look like that. So right now your job is on the line. What are you going to do? You're going to let Thomas continue to do what he's doing, or are you going to take on these play-calling duties and either save your job or go down with the ship? And I think he's choosing to – Oh, probably thinking he's going to save his job, but, you know, it, it may just be going down with the ship. So I think that's what's happening on that street right now. JJ, to that point, do you believe any part of this uh, decision to take play calling duties back away from Thomas Brown is an attempt to uh, save face for Thomas Brown? I mean, I think the league knows that he is a talented up-and-coming young coach, and maybe Frank doesn't want to put that stink of a really bad football team on him, which would follow him around for quite a while. I think it's really a lose-lose situation for Thomas Brown now, and that's the part that I don't like because let me be clear, you know, just for anybody who's listening and who may follow me on Twitter and may misinterpret my angry tweets, I like Frank Wright the dude. I think he's a good man. I think he's a good, you know, for the people who care, I think he's a good, you know, religious Christian man, however you want to put it. I think he is that. And I think, you know, in looking back at who I saw Frank Wright being a couple of years ago when I first saw him highlighted on Hard Knocks, I was like, man, you know, like it'd be great to have a, a coach like that because I thought he really cared about people. I think Frank Wright still cares about people. But I think oftentimes when you have that type of heart and you want to take care of people, sometimes I think you can always convince yourself that you're taking care of somebody, even though you might be hurting them in the process. I think Thomas Brown is a guy who had just been afforded an opportunity to do something he had never done in his career at the pro level, and that was scheme and design and call plays. Um, and I think for a young offensive coordinator and, you know, just being clear, you know, a, a minority play caller is a rare thing in the NFL. And I think with him getting that opportunity mid season, he was only three games into it. Right. You know, so you should expect some bumps and bruises, you know, because he hasn't seen all the defenses yet. You know, he doesn't have the cadence, you know, he doesn't have the rhythm the experience, you know, to really know what to do situationally yet. But, you know, you have to get that, right? So I think from the perspective of his ability to to grow and adapt and, you know, and, and learn and do the same thing that this rookie quarterback is doing, I think I think the outsiders, you know, who were who would be evaluating Thomas Brown, regardless of how the rest of the season went, I think they would be able to chalk that up and say, you know what? He was, you know, he was really cutting his teeth, you know, when it came to being a play caller. I don't think they would have held this learning um, time, you know, for Thomas Brown against him. I do, you know, I can see how Frank Wright or whoever else that believes this, you know, can see that he might be protecting Thomas Brown. But I think the way people remember things is that, you know, they just kind of remember what happened in black and white, right? You know, he was elevated to play calling duties. You know, three games later, he was demoted from play calling duties. They don't read back 
you know, for context. They just kind of read back for what happened. You know, nobody cares about context a year from now. So I think I would have, if I was in his position, I would have rather continue getting that experience and exposure. And then what if, what if this thing turns around and guess what? You know, just like I would get the, um, you know, the criticism for not being ready to be a play caller. If I somehow got this thing going before the end of the season, somebody might've thought like, look, Thomas Brown was able to do that with a rookie quarterback without a lot of skill talent. Like what happens if we build on that? I think, and just overall, I think the problem that comes from Frank Wright doing this is like, where do you go now? Right. You called the plays. You decided to step down and give it to Thomas Brown. Now Thomas Brown called the plays. Now you're saying that he wasn't ready. So do you call plays forever now? Uh, you know, like if you keep the same staff, if for some reason they have sticks with Frank Wright going into year two and Thomas Brown stays as the offense coordinator, you know, what happens next year when you say, oh, I think I'm ready to give it back to Thomas again? JJ, I heard reports that uh, Nicole Tepper was on the field watching O-line practice, evaluating players. Um, can, can you give me any idea what that might be about? Because, I mean, I'm not, I'm not uh, dispelling her football acumen, but I would be surprised if she had a tremendous amount of it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. You know, maybe Nicole Tepper played offensive line at some point in her career. You know, who knows? <laughs> Um, at this point, anything is possible in Carolina. I just think that Dave Tepper is doing like this whole dog and pony thing. You know, that's a military term, you know, whenever we just have to go out and do something because the general was coming in or something like that. You know, I think Dave Tepper, whenever eyes are on him, and I'm going to say it because I believe it, right? And and right or wrong, I'm just going to say this. I think Dave Tepper almost uses his wife as a shield because every time he steps out in public, ever since he has put her in, you know, the role or whatever that role is named. And I'm not taking anything away from her being a woman or whatever expertise she may have around football that I don't understand or whatever. She could be a, a, a genius when it comes to football. But I think for his own purposes, I think it's self-serving. I think whenever he goes out, you know, for these football decisions, I think he takes her with him. So people will just see that, and it's almost a distraction from him being there too, right? It, it takes away from his ownership in the situation or making a decision because he gets to, I hate to say it, but almost deflect, you know, and say that, you know, well, this is mine and the codes, not just my decision, right? And so, you know, I think it gives her exposure, you know, if she's truly – wanting to get more involved in football. I think, you know, taking her out, you know, for anybody, it just gets them experience. But I just don't see Dave Tepper as that type of guy inherently. But I may be wrong about him. I just don't think that, you know, that he really trusts her opinion on football, you know, to take her out there to look at offensive line play. I really think he takes her out there as part of his dog and pony show to show like, hey, look, I got my wife involved. She's a woman. And, you know, and, and this looks good because I'm all about diversity and I think it's just, uh, I don't know, an ill attempt, you know, to, to look good in that way. But that's just me. I'm sorry if that, you know, if that doesn't sound great, you know, but I think that's what it is. The words of one J.J. Hardy, Panthers culture, is uh, joining us here as he does each and every Thursday on this show. Great catching up with you, pal. Appreciate you so much. Uh, thank you.
All right, take care. J.J. Hardy, Panthers culture. We've got the top five at five coming your way next right here on the most interactive sports talk show anywhere. It's Offsides, Mark Ryan and Diesel, and we are the Fan Upstate. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Got clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. 